service to have our annual board trustees meeting that takes some money from you so you can you can pay the uh, for what is required uh, to accept the new infrastructure and everything. Just remind me, the AAC is going to be running as this is over. Uh, we're going to be starting a brand new series this morning called The Weight of Words, where we're going to be thinking about um, how important the words that we and this is something that I have to be uh, confessed. This is something that I think God is really teaching me over this last year. Uh, one of my friends in ministry, a mentor, she says, like, preach to me in weakness, and then you'll never run out of material. Um, so that is uh, generally what that I, I always am trying to do. But this is something, especially that I feel like God is teaching me over this last year. So please don't think of this as me, like, coming down from on high and telling you, you all should do better. This is something that I feel like I'm learning myself, and I'm going to just struggle this year, and I'll be really specific with you. Because what I want to communicate through this series, and I hope that you learn more than anything else, is your words weigh a lot. And it's easy for us to think that it's not that big of a deal. That like our words, we can just kind of say whatever we want. It's not that big of a problem. We can just say anything to anybody. And we have this saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but... Which is the worst saying ever, basically. Like, it's so not true, because there are things that people have said to you that are extremely difficult, and you still have that claim in your head, and it's hard for you to understand how to move forward and act on what that person says, because words hurt, and words weigh a lot. One of the reasons why I think we think sometimes that our words aren't all that important is because of the fact that we're able to use digital communication. So you can just send text messages, and those kind of matter. And there are things that you would say through a text message to someone you would never say in person. Actually, studies have shown that about 80% of um, marital infidelity starts somehow through um, some sort of method of communication or something like that because it's just a little bit easier. You send a text message here, a text message there, and things just do the places that you wouldn't necessarily have started in, but it's easy to get one thing to lead to another. A conversation you would never have face-to-face, but something that you do privately through like Facebook Messenger or something like that. It's like, it's not going to be a big deal for me to write a, a note to my old high school friend on Facebook. It's not going to be that big of a deal. And of course, it starts with like no bad intentions, but that's maybe kind of what you thought. It's easy to think that our words don't weigh a lot, but in reality, our words do weigh a lot. There was a great video that I saw a couple weeks ago. The Chicago Bears go against the Philadelphia Eagles, and at the end of that game, uh, the Bears kicker missed a field goal. And people responded on Twitter, and somehow some amazing that kick. And so people were responding and kind of up in their own rage about that kicker. So there's a host named Katie Nolan, who's a late night like sports talk show host, and she decided, like her and her team decided, they were going to invite some people to LA who had said the same thing about college football games, not tell them why they were coming, but just to come to LA and just do something that was surprisingly easy and great. And so she then challenged them to kick the field goal that they claimed on Twitter that they were able to kick. So here's the video or part of that.
Twitter.com/slashcontact.tv and just have her there. And you tweeted that, right? I did. That's me. You still think you could make it? Actually, we played Division Three college football, and a couple of my friends were kickers on that team. So I really hope I don't let them down. Oh my God! I think it was in, right? Yeah, you were going for the women's bathroom.
the Vikings game, Davies, the brother of Davis, and he was so sassy at the time in the Vikings game. He talked about how he had a father in Vikings and stuff. And Davis said, you know, we're sassy at the time. We have all kinds of rhythm. But one thing Sam said, he had to be the one to say so, is he had to have that rhythm. And he had to teach us the way to be confident with the rest of the team. I read the passage towards the beginning of service. It's James chapter 2. He says, we all stumble in many ways as we try to learn how to be confident. So that means, but what's interesting is, if you were writing this to a group of Christians, think about what you might say first if you're talking about stumbling, or you might talk about like sexual immorality, or you might talk about other things, anger, you might talk about there's a whole list of things that you might come up with. But Jesus says, you want to get to the thing behind the thing. He says, anyone who is never at fault and yet they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. You might have said something else. You might have said, well, anybody who doesn't do anything wrong. But then you get to the thing behind the thing. You have to be really careful with your words. When you put gifts, gifts into the mouths of fools, you can make them obey. Like you can turn oil on and off. But take gifts as an example. Although they are so large, you give them by strong winds, they come by a sudden small letter, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great weight. Consider what a great spirit a tongue has Vicious imagery of the tongue. And James 2, he definitely says this. You know, you can turn a word from a small word. You can work, you can have a, a big fire that comes from a very small spark, and scripture comes from a very small letter. And likewise, we all, all of us here today, the words that we use matter. The tongue is made up of eight different muscles. And I'm thinking about the one who can see a tongue. Probably wish that some people would get tired, but they never get tired. Perhaps you started out 2019 with the hope of like accomplishing something. So you went to the gym and you did your like bicep curl and you were doing that. The next day you have no curl because you haven't done that in a while. But the tongue isn't like that. The muscles of the tongue never get tired. They can just go and go and go and go. And I love how James says this. It's like it's, it's a small part of the body, but it can make great weight. I might add to uh, the imagery that he uses, the tongue is like that little zip dog that goes to the dog park and is trying to mess with all the big dogs. And the big dogs are just kicking it out of the way. And he says, and they keep having things to say. The tongue literally can create something that ultimately you wouldn't even necessarily have intended, but it can destroy. Think about historically how much it was difficult to set such a negative trajectory for the world. And as people have analyzed some of the things that they have said about the church, one of the reasons why he was so effective is because he was able to capture people's attention. He was able to get a group of people to believe things that perhaps before the truth started, they didn't believe. He was able to rile, rile people up with his words. James 4, he says, keep your walls maximum. Tell them in the midst of your house and civilization, for so much depended on one man's good power. He turned his own political fury and bombed the schoolhouse with lavish lavish. In other words, they were all being described, but the voice itself was magnetic. But the amazing thing is that the bomb comes through on the radio. I can't put it in my world. It's just a field with fiery suggestions. Jesus 
say that now the world of evil and Antichrist has been swept from their body, sent for full tilt to bring life on this planet. And Jesus himself prophesied about how that is a, that is a life destruction. Like that is like, whoa, that is very intense. Like if you were to write a letter to Christians, what would you say is the thing that you need to be worried about and be aware of more than anything else because it could send you to hell and literally is lit by the power of evil? You might think of the worst of other things to find that out about the Christian. But Jesus going to send each the same abiding eternity. And he continues, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being is tamed by them. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. About the world that you play, if you have tamed all kinds of animals, you can have rules crossed all over the world, but you cannot tame God. It is full of deadly poison. He literally takes the place of almost kind of a game. Can you speak for every time you do that? And maybe ask yourself the question is what I'm doing, is it pleasing to God? Is it moving me in a positive direction? Is it moving the person that I'm talking to in a positive direction? Is it just bringing life? Is it bringing peace? One of the most helpful parts of this to understand is that Jesus Christ is telling you never be satisfied. You might have like a good season of life here. You might have like a good few years. But it's a season that you could use to, to bring your hope to
but I've told the kids that when I got my driver's license, it gave Tyler his driver's license. He went to the event, and I had an 89 Hemp Elite Group Package. And uh, Ben Belt rode it for Tommy's Blue Beach. And I would probably cruise, cruise around the town. And there was, there was one night I was driving after a UCF event, and my buddy pulled up next to me, and he loved his engine. He said, Fast Rider? I was like, all right, here we go. I don't need a little bit of fuel because we're going to have a hard time running the race against any car. And I was, I was like, all right, here we go. We have to make this thing happen. And so Matt got his finish off in his car. And then so I got that first pit lap in my Buick. And I still remember exactly where it was. I remember the lights flashing and the And it was, at that moment that my life was like, over. I was like, no way. I was like, no way anything was going to happen. Like, I'm just going to be locked in. I have a basement. I'm not going to be locked in the basement forever. Basically, it's like this is over. And the cop came up to my window, and that is one of those moments where your words, they feel like they really are from there on out, right? Because you have two options. You could go, like, just keep your nice here, you know, or you go, go that route, or challenge a little bit. And I was terrified. I was running around with a high beam at 100 miles an hour, but uh, he came up and said, sir, you know how fast I'm going. I was going 60 and 30. I just want to go down the road. And I can't get challenged And I said, oh, this is an 89 Buick Triumph. And he has like a huge car on the speedometer that has a 250 mini cars on it. So there is a bad case that it could turn 60. I think in my second time, I crashed. It's just stress. I pretended like I was tough, like this little 16 year old boy in front of this young actor's class. I don't know. He was nice to me. He decided to let me off and let me continue on my night with him. And I had such nice friends around me. And I never told my parents that story until much, much uh, later. Because I'd probably still be driving with a permit at this point. Uh, so it wasn't um, for that. And there were a few moments in our lives when we just like realized it was very palpable how much our words were. You know, like to have that this way, am I going to go? Am I going to go? Light to this conversation, or to say something like, "Who's going to be offended by that?" Right? And how do you have that happen? Somehow, I survived that one. But I think we don't realize how much our words matter in our lives. The things that we can say to each other, the consistent ways that we can say to each other we love them, and how they free us face-to-face with our own and letting that be the foundation of friendship. The thing is, these things that they continually have to know that.
beginning of the gospel reconciliation is very important because being willing to actually say God, I, I pray for this person and not just say that I pray for them, but that I pray for them. But God, I pray your goodness over this person. And I'm telling you, over this little stretch of the years, I believe that God has done that Thank you. 